This is the weekly sermon from Church of the Holy Trinity, a Reformed Episcopal parish of the Anglican Church in North America in Houston, Texas. Please join us on Sundays at 8.15 and 10.30 a.m. for Holy Communion and visit us on the web at holytrinityrec.org. Please enjoy the sermon. What have you done? This question to King Saul by the prophet Samuel is a common question that is found throughout the pages of the Bible. Think about it, it all started with the original sin in the Garden of Eden where God asked Eve after she ate of the forbidden fruit with her husband. That same question. Then, a little bit later after they had been tossed out of the garden, God asked the question to Cain after he murdered his brother Abel. We find the use and the variations of this same question usually used when someone has sinned as the first response of those that are calling the sinner out. They go into question mode as we find in scripture. It is to let the person question the opportunity, giving them the opportunity to fess up to their transgressions. It gives the person under suspicion of sin the chance to repent or to give excuses, or to bury themselves deeper and deeper through lying. As we continue our series in 1 Samuel, let us this evening meditate upon the realities of our fallen world to ask these sort of questions and to hear the decisive answer. Verses 1 through 7 of our lesson in 1 Samuel 13 speak of the renewed pressure upon this new king of Israel, King Saul, from the nation of Philistia. Verse 3 introduces us for the first time major characters of this book. Saul's heir to the throne, his son Jonathan. We read, Jonathan defeated the garrison of the Philistines that was at Geba, and the Philistines heard of it. And Saul blew the trumpet throughout the land, saying, Let the Hebrews fear, or let the Hebrews hear. The result of this was that the people knew that war was imminent that Israel, due to this defeat of a Philistine garrison, had become a stench to the Philistines. From here, things became tense as the might of the Philistine nation gathered its forces, described as thus at the end of verse 5 that we read, like the sand of the seashore in multitude. The result of this massive response of the Philistines was what we read in verse 6. When the men of Israel saw they were in trouble... For the people were hard-pressed. The people hid themselves in caves and holes and in rocks and in tombs and in cisterns. The end of verse 7 speaks of the men that stayed with Saul, that actually stayed to fight, mustered for battle. Saul was still at Gilgal, and all the people followed him trembling. So the army he did have was trembling, fearful for their own lives. This indeed was a perilous time with the people not following Saul initially, taking literally to the ground to hide, fearing that their entire nation would be conquered. So Israel was in a very bad position. She feared for the safety and well-being of her future. As the leader of this country, Saul faced his fearful test with his people facing an overwhelming enemy. Often, if we think about it in our lives of faith in Jesus Christ, we too are tested 
in our circumstances facing the enemies of this world. The enemies of Jesus Christ and the church seek us harm, both bodily and spiritually. And how are we to reply? Let us turn to the next section, the last section of this passage tonight, and the answer to these pressures. Verses 8 through 23 speak of the response of Saul to this pressure. Verses 8 through 10 reads, He waited seven days, the time appointed by Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattering from him. So Saul said, Bring the burnt offering here to me, and the peace offerings. And as soon as he had finished offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came. And Saul went out to meet him and greet him. In previous times, in the previous chapters in this book, when battle was imminent, we read that it was the practice of Samuel to offer sacrifices and blessings upon the army before combat. There was a clear division in the nation of Israel where the kings were not set apart for spiritual functions. Rather, the spiritual function of blessing the troops, if you will, before combat, offering worship in terms of sacrifices was set apart or set aside solely for the prophets and the priests. This goes back to the question I just raised a moment ago about how we deal with pressure, with enemies in this world. Properly, we are called as Christians to live in submission to Jesus Christ and his church in everything, even in the way we worship. The submission called for is total and complete with the important ingredient that God calls us to, that God instills within us of godly patience. This patience is something given by the Holy Spirit that is fostered within us throughout life. Part of patience, if you think about it, is repentance when we have become impatient, willing to ask for help, to get low before God instead of giving excuses. For Saul, he did what we are all often guilty of in this life. Samuel told Saul to wait seven days. As we read, Saul waited, and when the time passed, he took matters into his own hands instead of continuing to wait, continuing to trust God through waiting for the proper time for the arrival of the prophet, of the prophet Samuel. Saul, if you think about it, stuck to a time frame and did not trust in Almighty God when that time frame passed. How often do we do the same, wait a certain time and then go off into an impatient mode as a sudden burst as Saul did due to the fact that we were unwilling to wait properly? But what is it to wait properly in a godly fashion so we do not burst into an impatient and compulsive action as Saul did. There are two ways to wait in our world. One is the worldly way, the way that we all fall into from time to time, the way that we see today in Saul, to wait until we burst after holding everything in without a proper outlet, a proper preparation. The second is the godly way, to wait until the proper time, the proper time being when God acts, not us, with a godly and a loving reply, giving all to Almighty God as we wait in expectant prayer and worship as our outlet. 
After Samuel asked the question to Saul of why he did what he did, we read this in verses 11 and 12. Saul said, When I saw that the people were scattering from me, and that you did not come within the days appointed, and that the Philistines had mustered at Michmash, I said, Now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal, and I have not sought the favor of the Lord. So I forced myself and offered the burnt offering. His reply, if you think about it, reads just like the excuse given by Eve in the Garden of Eden at the fall. The proper approach here would have been for Saul to continue to wait, to hold out, to seek the Lord, and to wait for the arrival of the prophet. Forcing himself was really Saul sugarcoating his sin through offering an unauthorized sacrifice. Such showed Saul was responding out of an ungodly fear of the enemies rather than in the fear of Almighty God to obey and to wait and listen. We must take care in our situations in life where our enemies try to instill fear within us that we seek Jesus Christ alone, that we in these moments seek his help for mercy, for grace, and the patience to wait properly. The waiting properly upon the Lord begins with what we read today in the epistle in verse 4 of 1 John 5. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. Overcoming this world through faith in Jesus is to wait in expectant hope that he indeed will work all things out for good for those that love him by his timing. While waiting, though, our call in our waiting is to obey, to do as Saul should have done, to obey and to wait for the proper agent, the proper person to offer the sacrifice. It is faithful living through our prayers, through our worship, through staying connected with Christ's church. The model is that God is extremely patient with us as we read throughout the Bible. Even when we're under discipline, being chastised, it is meant to lead us back to the fold. It is meant to bring us back to hope. It is not to drive us away from the fold with no hope of return. As we read today in the psalm, for his anger is but for a moment and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. With this reality as his people, we need to submit to his love through remaining in prayer, remaining in worship throughout our lives, especially when we hit rocky times. As we read in our psalm in verse 6, As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. If you think about it, what is prosperity? Is it how much we have in our bank accounts? Is it the type of car we drive? It is, the, is it the type of house we reside? No. It is as we read today in the epistle in verse 11. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. We are prosperous in Christ alone in his kingdom, guaranteed eternal life through his merits, through his works. This eternal life is beyond all the riches of this world that we may accumulate. This is where King Saul went astray, 
seeing his prosperity and his security locked into this world and his people, seeing them leave his army in fear. This mindfulness of his buried, if you will, into this world brought him to a disobedient and rash action. In Saul's pride to speed things up, we read the following consequence in verses 13 and 14. The prophet Samuel said to Saul, You have done foolishly. You have not kept the command of the Lord your God, with which he commanded you. For then the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be prince over his people, because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. Saul faced the Philistines before this point plenty of times, and God delivered him. But here, he failed to wait. He failed to be patient in a godly manner, trusting in God alone. And the kingdom was forever taken away from him. It came to a halt. His son Jonathan would not become king. It was promised to another. Nowhere here in this passage do we see King Saul getting low before God in repentance, begging for mercy. Instead, we read the rest of this chapter, rather, that Saul continues to prepare for war. Patiently waiting upon God by his grace through faith in Christ is meant to pull us through every moment of life. Yes, the storms of our enemies of this world may rage against us, trying to move us to ungodly responses. But the call for all of us is to be still and quiet in Jesus Christ, calling upon him in our moments where we doubt, in our moments where we don't want to wait any longer, to prayer, leaning upon him alone through his church. There is great grace found in submission to Jesus Christ and his body. If we only wait, sometimes longer than we want to wait, we will find his loving grace remains through every step of the way. His grace established through waiting, not in nervousness and fear of what man can do to the body, brings us through every storm and every valley, built up stronger than before in his power and might. Ultimately, if you think about it, all of the questions that are posed in the Bible of the nature that Samuel asked Saul of what have you done comes to this ultimate answer in the passion of our Lord Jesus Christ in John chapter 18. As we read in verse 35, Pilate answered, speaking to Jesus at his trial, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting, that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from the world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Where all the kings of Israel in the past failed repeatedly at various levels to establish the kingdom forever due to their sins, Jesus comes through for all of us called by his name as our redeemed, Redeemer King, 
our ascended King. Throughout the trials, the passion, the suffering, and the death of our Lord Jesus Christ, he endured the taunting calls for him to act like King Saul, to take the impatient shortcut to come down from the cross to defeat his enemies in the way sinful humanity thinks such needs to be done. Instead of coming down from the cross to slay his enemies with impatience, before the proper time, Jesus called out from his cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Instead of saving himself, he saved his people by saying, it is finished, and giving himself up to forever save us from our sin, to forever establish this eternal kingdom over sin and death through his resurrection and his ascension. May we face all our trials and adversities by the grace of Almighty God through faith in his Son that did everything for us as our true Redeemer King, our eternal King. May we look to examples that we read tonight of King Saul to cause us to stop and pause in the midst of our trials to respond to enemies by waiting in prayer and worship and as we are about to do together to come to the Lord's table in connection with the body of Jesus Christ in loving submission, even when everyone around us is telling us to hurry up. Let us forever rest in Jesus Christ, our King alone, as our answer to that ancient question, what have you done? Amen.